Hello and welcome. I'm Tim Robinson, Editor-in-Chief of Aerospace Magazine at the Royal Aeronautical Society. And with me is Deputy Editor Stephen Bridgewater and reporter Charlotte Bailey. Welcome, welcome. Hello all. Uh, so we've been here at a packed and extremely busy uh, Paris Air Show 2023 in Le Bourget. It's now uh, day four of the, uh, sorry, day five no, of day the show. Five. Day five of the show. It's they, all all blur, they all blur into one, don't it's they? It's all merged into, into one. Uh, we've had a great time. Uh, so much interesting stuff to see. Uh, so many stories to report on, um, exhibits, People meeting people for the first time in in in, in, in well uh, first time in Paris for four years obviously COVID, um, so we're going to do a uh, a quick roundup here um, personal uh, our personal picks and then maybe have a look at some of the uh, overarching themes. So uh, first off, Steve, over to you. What what caught your eye this week? Well, there's been so much, hasn't there, Tim? Um, no matter what you're interested in, there's something in Paris for everybody. Whether it's GA, whether it's airlines, space, military. The, the whole EV toll thing that's going on and, and it was really, really big at the show. But as regular listeners will know, I'm, I'm very much a GA man. But I'm going to start with a very much a, a top-end and aspirational GA story with a company called Beyond Aero, which was a new one to me. And they're a Toulouse-based company um, who are developing a hybrid electric hydrogen business jet. Wow. So looking to um, to boost the sustainability of the the sometimes controversial bizjet sector. And we've, we've seen lots of protests recently on eBase and there was a citation that got spray painted by um, some uh, eco demonstrators at uh, in Germany. So it's, it's very much a hot topic. And Beyond Aero are, have, have taken an, an approach where they've developed their own hydrogen electric powertrain. Um, but they've also developed their own aircraft to go with it. Um, and the thing that struck me on their stand uh, was, I felt incredibly old. Because I don't think there was anybody that was working for this company that was over the age of about 35. Real fresh talent. They're a Toulouse-based company, so you can perhaps guess where a lot of their, their skill set has come from. Um, their, um, their chief engineer was an ex-Airbus um, E um, uh, employee. Um, and the, the aircraft's quite interesting. You know, it's a very swoopy-looking jet. Um, but and called this jet is a bit of a misnomer because it's electric ducted fans. Wow. So, but um, really interesting um, aircraft. They have so far sold 72 of them on um, MOUs or LOIs, um, big round of investment, and their stand was busy all, all week. Um, I was there on Thursday evening. The only slot I could get to see them was 5 o'clock Thursday evening, and even then there were people coming and showing interest. So, I think that's one to watch for the future, but and it's sort of very much on topic at the moment. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that struck me is the uh, the the amount of uh, well sustainability, but the amount of it across all levels of aerospace, from from the large to the small. Um, so, Charlotte, um, we, we saw we saw we saw history being made this week, didn't we? In in terms of. Um, uh, the 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 uh, salon de Bourget and uh, the the historic Paris Air Show. Tell us about that. Also, I think a really emerging segment of this year's show in particular has been the eVTOL electric vertical takeoff and landing craft segment. It's been around for a few years, nothing new in that sense, but seeing it actually take off in the literal sense of the word is, as you say, quite a historic thing to see. Um, we saw the first show flight during the Paris show of Volocopter. Um, there's been a lots of 
glitz and glam around the VTOL segment, especially in the in the Farnborough year where we had various companies with mock-ups on display. And in a sort of specially des designed Hall 5 this year, we did have representatives of a number of companies. Uh, we had Whisk, Archer, Joby, Supernal, Ehang and Over all presenting prototypes or mock-ups. However, Volocopter opened the show and flew on, I think it was every single day except every. yesterday when rain stopped play. Mm. Um, and they're planning the first commercial trip of the <clears> new <throat> craft next year for the Paris Olympics over five different routes with, I think, three A to B flights and two commercial routes as well. It's really interesting. And they're actually subsidising the tickets, aren't they? They are subsidising the tickets. I wouldn't say how much, but as an overarching goal of the segment is to not just to revolutionise the way we travel, but to, I think the phrase was democratise the cost of air travel. It would be interesting to see just how much the price point comes down to make it accessible to everybody. I know some companies were looking at sort of $3 per person per mile, which seems still seems a little ambitious yeah. to me, but um, yeah, the prices will come down eventually. So, so I mean, I mean, the, the, I mean firstly, it was, it, was, it, was, it was very, very quiet, wasn't it? I mean, if you weren't looking in the right direction, you were going to miss it. Uh, yeah. Quite short, short display, five, Six minutes, we Six think. Six minutes, I believe. Yeah. And Volocopter uh, said that the air conditioning in the chalet, which we needed on most <laughs> days of this show, was three times louder than the than the craft itself. Unlike the the roar of the Rafale and the Eurofighters tearing across the sky, it was definitely something that had to be seen to be believed rather than heard to be believed. <laughs> and it was a very sedate thing to watch, wasn't it? Yeah. It's, mm. um, yeah. I'm not sure what the ultimate speed is going to be for something like that, but it, it sort of. It, I don't want to say ponderous because that's unkind, but it sort of gracefully worked its way around the the, the flying display area, and it, it, like we said, it was just really nice to see one in a flying display for the first time at the bullshit. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the significance as well is is uh, it's flown before, it's flown flown before at Oshkosh, yep. and uh, they've done kind of demo flights uh, before, probably sort of demo flights, but I think. The, the you know Paris, Farnborough, uh, Dubai, Singapore. These are the big. These are the four big international trade shows, and Paris, <coughs> Paris and Farnborough, they both fight each other, fight each other out for the, the top one. But this yeah. is this is the the global showcase for aviation, yeah. and and where you know your your first flights and your your, your debuts really get noticed. So yeah, there was, and as Charlotte said, there was an entire hall dedicated to <laughs> advanced air mobility, and it was set out almost you know that there were imitation streets and and you felt as though you were in a city environment but with these aircraft these you know craft on show so it's it, i think paris did a really good job of showcasing what what is going to be the future of aviation i mean public perception as, as well is going to be such a key thing in the evolving years as companies move towards certification within the next year or two according to their projected plans and to really not just bring the mock-ups and the craft on show at the big events such as this one, but to be able to actually evidence what they're doing to move right. towards achieving those goals. And it's it's no longer really sufficient to have a big glitzy, glammy, Instagrammable prototype on display. It, you know, we've got to start seeing some sort of definitive yeah. action that, taken towards achieving the goals of... And that works two ways. That convinces people to actually get in them as a passenger, but it also convinces people that have perhaps got a, plans for a vertiport in the in their neighbourhood, that it's not going to be 
an inconvenience, a noise, a danger. So yeah, you're right, public perception is gonna be a big thing with us. So to see it in eVTOL on display at such a big event was really important. Yeah. Flying as well. So uh, moving to the to the uh, larger end of this scale, shall we say. So back on, on to commercial aviation. So uh, one of the things that caught my eye was uh, Riyadh Air. Ah. So this is a, a, a new uh, start, startup uh, Saudi Arabian carrier. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, they, they, they flew into the show. They haven't even had an aircraft delivered yet. Mm -hmm. uh, this is on an NREG. Uh, it's turned up in a, a sort of stunning uh, purple livery. Um, and, uh, you know, turned up and they are, they are, are were there. We're sort of like, you know, basically saying who we are what our branding is, and they are they are attempting they want to try and connect uh, the, the uh, kingdom of Saudi Arabia with the rest of the world, Brilliant. Uh, and and starting this new startup airline, and it's the first first full service airline. Gosh, I think since, since Etihad since uh, two thousand and three, so that's okay. twenty years. Yeah, um, they're not going to do first class, which is really interesting. That's interesting, especially for that market. Yeah, for for that market, <laughs> and this you know Saudi Arabia. Second fastest uh, growing economy in the world. Wow! Uh, so they've got all this huge demand. Yeah. Uh, Riyadh it, it itself is underserved. Uh, yeah. So they, they are looking to to basically try, uh, and it, it's all part of um, the, the the kingdom's plan to diversify away from oil and turn right. uh, you know turn it into a, a tourism attraction uh, and a global air and cargo hub. Okay. So they, they have a Dreamliner at the show. Is it going to be a purely Boeing fleet, do we know? Or have they announced any other plans? For... We, 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 um, we, um, there are going to be lots of more reveals. So okay. uh, so Tony Douglas, who uh, he's the former uh, CEO of Etihad, uh, he, he says, so basically, watch this space. They're going to be teasing and revealing more. Oh. Uh, it's going to be a digital uh, native, uh, digitally native uh, airline, obsessive, attention to detail okay um but what what their, their biggest i think their biggest challenge is going to be getting getting on, on people on the map in the first place yeah. it's, it's putting on people's minds so people saying well uh you know riyadh uh, riyadh air who, who who are you where's where's riyadh mm -hmm. and what is there to do in saudi arabia yeah uh, so what sort of time frame are they looking at for so, the so uh launch of the airline is, is 2025 so they're not starting services till 2025 so they started promoting effectively two years before they're yeah doing, they're, wow That's so this for the long game aren't they yeah so it seems also they've scooped up a lot of talent from other airline airlines okay. in the in the in the middle east and the gulf uh, a, a real sort of a uh, one person said it was a, a United Nations of, uh, you know, kind of uh, people working there. Wow. Uh, Do we have an indication of the projected size of their fleet yet? Um, not, uh, I'd have to go and look at that, look at that up. <laughs> <laughs> certainly two Dreamliners. Certainly, well, certainly, certainly Dreamliners. Um, if I were to, to click on it now and Google it, I, will, I, will, I could tell you, but um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, should, we, should, we come back, should we come back to that? Yes, I, I, want, I want to talk about another light aeroplane, Tim. I know much to your chagrin, I'm sure. But um, another French company which was demonstrating at uh, Le Bourget was Aura Aero, who had a number of aircraft on their stand. Um, Integral is the aircraft that a lot of people will know Aura Aero for, which is, um, if you like, a modern-day uh, Avion Moudry Cap 10 lookalike, but all composite, tailwheel aeroplane, fully aerobatic, side-by-side, two-seater. Um, they introduced a tailwheel version of that 
at the show, the in in integral S, um, and also an electric version, um, yeah. which is uh, which is interesting. Um, so that the um, the E version, integral E, is ready to fly. Hasn't flown yet, but. We've spoken to the team on the stand. As soon as they get back from Paris, the aeroplane is good to go. So we should see the first flight of that fairly soon. Uh, but interestingly, on the Thursday evening, it was announced that Airbus had joined forces with them um, to get these aircraft into service as basic trainers, both for the commercial and military markets. So could we see French Air Force junior pilots training yeah. on electric two-seat aircraft? Mm, possibly, yeah. Right, 30, 39 Dreamliners. Riyadh Air. <laughs> You're quick. That's why they've, they've ordered. Seven, seven, eight, seven, uh, dash nine. <laughs> so um, it's not just about uh, airlines, not about, just about sort of uh, electric. Uh, also, at the show, space. Yeah, Charlotte, you've been learning to drive on the moon. I have, I have been learning to drive on the moon. I mean, we've got a. I, I, I'm in the market for a new vehicle myself, and to be honest, this has quite taken my fancy. Uh, unveiled at the show was the craft, the the new lunar rover buggy, uh, produced by Venturi and Venturi Astrolab. They've been developing the Flex rover since the early 2000s, and it is scheduled to go to the surface of the moon in 2026 on board the SpaceX rocket. Now, the real main difference between this rover and what we probably call conventional setups of, of driving style is that you do it standing up. Who doesn't want to drive mm. across the surface of the moon standing up? And mm. this has been really designed for ease of access in astronauts wearing suits to be able to just hop on and hop off. I'm, I'm guessing you don't sit down and bend very well in a, in a spacesuit, do you? So that's, uh, that's convenient. No, and Venturi say this all new driving style is going to sort of facilitate easier missions across the surface of the moon, more time to go and do important science stuff that you're on there because uh, the time to ingress and exit the vehicle has been uh, greatly but... reduced. And another new innovation on this is that we have had a custom wheel unveiled and if, uh, if you've ever gone to a quick fit to get a new tyre <laughs> yep. you might want to consider consider one of these it's been a uh, described as hyper deformable so uh, rather than a traditional rubber surface there's a special sort of layer inside it that can deform to the surface of lunar rocks as it as it goes over so that's mm. going to be a Quite, quite interesting. Well, I mean, well you, don't want to get, you don't want to get a puncture on the, in the sea of tranquility. You don't, do you? That's really bad. That's all well and good, but what was it like to drive? It was only a VR experience, although they have been testing the real craft out in, in the desert near Death Valley, and apparently it's quite comfortable. And once it's on the moon, it will have an estimated surface life of 10 years. So, you know, no use calling the AA out while you're <laughs> But it wasn't the only road vehicle on show at Paris, though, was it? Because Renault had got their Rafale there. I don't know whether you saw this, too. Everything, everything called Rafale. Everything was Rafale. Um, so Renault debuted their new electric SUV at Paris. I mean, why, why would you debut a car at an air show? But it's called Rafale. Not named after the jet fighter that you might think of, but actually a 1930s racer called the Cordron Rafale, um, which actually competed both in France out in the US in the Thompson um, Trophy. What a great looking aeroplane. So they've, got a re they've actually flown a replica of the Cordron Rafale in from the US, flying replica, uh, and that was assembled on the stand. So, um, you know, in beautiful deep blue. So uh, if you have a look on our blog, there's some nice pictures of, of that aeroplane, which really was just just... 
you know, the, the epitome of Art Deco. So, um, yeah, interesting to see road vehicles debuted at an air show. Maybe that's a pattern that we can see in the future. Yeah, excellent, yeah. I'm not sure the Lunar Buggy is a road vehicle, although they are aiming to beat the, the Lunar speed record of up to 18 kilometres an hour. So, 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 if you, so if you drove this thing in, in VR, does that mean you are rovering reporter? It absolutely does. You'd be, you'd be wanting to get that, that gag in the whole week. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. We my, like a partner here too. So, um, back to airlines again, and um, another, another big uh, press conference that was, uh, that was packed out was uh, Boom Supersonic. Boom. So an update on, on what's happening with them and uh, their Mac 1.7 Overture airliner. Um, so that they um, they rolled out some, some heavy hitters to give them some support. Uh, they've got uh, the progression on the factory. They've got an Ironbird rig that's going to be set up in uh, Denver. Uh, they announced some structures. Uh, people who are going to be doing, been helping do the the, uh, the the wings and the fuselage. So Leonardo doing the fuselage, okay. a couple of Spanish uh, companies as well. So structures, suppliers are coming together, uh, and also more details on the engine. Ah. So the engine uh, that's always been a, a sort of a, a, a kind of a key question mark for anyone looking at this program uh, as to well how are you going to do a, 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 an engine. Um, Rolls-Royce had looked at it uh, and, uh, and and walked away. They, they, they'd done a sort of study. Um, and they're now partnering with, with FTT, Standard Aero, Aero and G Additive. Um, so, But they're doing it in-house, mm. um, which, on the face of it, looks really, really tricky. Yeah. Uh, so, but... Talking to people there, talking to, to, to one of their advisors, ex-Rolls-Royce uh, CTO, um, really, really interesting about, you know, sort of doing it in-house. You, you're, you're actually, it's, the engine they're doing is for a single mission. Yeah. You know, so the Symphony engine they're doing is for a single engine. And, uh, you know, he said it's actually a lot, lot, a lot simpler than the Trent, where you're trying to do... Yeah, of course, you've got different customers yeah. wanting different things yeah. from the engine. Yeah, of course. So sense. you're doing it for, for you... You're the customer. You're developing the engine. Also, you control the costs. Mm. Um, so, and it's it's been it's been done before. I mean, um, SpaceX. Yeah. They they build their own rocket engines. Uh, similar, so, similar to Hill helicopters that we had in the magazine fairly recently. It is very very similar similar. So they you know and it's it's not um, I was hesitant to say it's not rocket science, but they, they've <laughs> also they've also reduced the the original requirements to Mach two point two. Which is pretty ambitious. They've gone now to Mac 1.7. Okay. So the idea is a commercial, you know, commercial kind of core style engine. It's a turbofan, and they are with, you know, optimized for supersonic flight. Now okay. forgive the skepticism, Tim. I mean, I believe this is only going to be able to fly over water if they succeed in getting the technological advancements to even build the thing, do we really think there's a market for it? So this is going to be the key question. So, um, yeah, they've got the suppliers in hand. They've got the, um, the, the you know, they look the, 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 they've, got, they've got a plan for, for, for the engine. They've got a lot, of, a lot of support, a lot of people interested in the concept anyway. Um, two, two key questions there is, have you, have you got enough money to mm. do it? And also the overland, mm -hmm. uh, the overland question. 
um, is are there enough city pairs over water? Uh, yeah. And that's that's really what did for for, for, for Concord. Yeah. Um, however, the engine does meet apparently it does meet sort of chapter fourteen, uh, you know, kind of noise restrictions around uh, airports. So they, they've got the the latest. Okay. You know, it's gonna it's gonna be no uh, no noisier than than current civil aircraft. So it's gonna be able to fit in around the. Uh, at least around the uh, the uh, you know sort of airport environment, it's not really like a a Eurofighter or, or yeah. an F thirty five taking off. But yeah, the the key question there is how how many city pairs over water can you can you make happen? But mm. um, one to watch. I, I came away from that thinking a, a, a little bit more um, kind of confident, a okay. little bit more uh, you know sort of um, thinking this is actually a bit more viable. Especially as you say, as after we 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 gone to see hill helicopters. And, yeah. Um, there's people there who, who, who obviously a lot of skeptics out there, um, and uh, but there were a lot of skeptics about SpaceX doing it in, the, in, in there. That that was seen as why are you why are you doing your, why are you building the rocket and the engine? Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's so to have two things, both at the scale of, of the, the quote is revolutionising mobility. We've heard a lot this week, both with the intention of noise reduction. We've had the the VTOL segment promising they're going to be sort of five or six times quieter than the conventional helicopter, and now to hear something on the scale of what Mac point one two three one, is yeah, one, also one going seven. for for noise re reduction. It's just interesting to see at the show the scope of incredibly different modes of aerial transportation. It's public, it's public but, perception again, isn't it? If you look back at the sixties and seventies, we're trying to get Concorde into service, and the uh, particularly in the US, where lots of, of cities just did not want the noise of Concorde. So I think the world is now more aware, more concerned it's a theme over... across yeah. the board, isn't it? Yeah, there's, the, the, the regulations are tougher, but one of the interesting things that uh, the Blake uh, Schoel uh, said uh, was, uh, you know, his list of suppliers, uh -huh. it's, it's a global partnership. Uh -huh. um, and whereas in the 60s, it was a race between the US and um, Europe, over supersonic flight and also Soviet Union. Yeah, yeah. Let's not forget the Soviet <coughs> Union. Um, and they were they were bitter rivals. Now, yeah. boom has got supplies from around the world, okay. and and it's it 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 there's it there's just one game in town really. It's you a know? conglomerate it, it's, effort. It's a global now, effort. So, um, what else? What else has caught your eye, Steve? Well, I've gone from a sustainable business jet to a sustainable eco electric powered light aircraft. I'm going to go bigger now. Sustainability. Uh, do you remember when we recorded our podcast at Farnborough and we said sustainability, sustainability, sustainability? I don't think there's been any press conference at, at Paris either which hasn't had the word sustainability in it. It's such a, an important thing at the moment. Um, but I'm going to go right to the top end of the, the scale now with an A330, um, which Airbus have announced uh, as part of their Up Next program. Um, they're creating a uh, A330 high power. That's HY for hydrogen. Ah. Now you think oh, we're going to have hydrogen powered airline, but we're not because yeah we know there are restrictions in terms of battery tech, carriage of hydrogen, but every little counts. So what Airbus are looking at doing on this is actually replacing the standard Jet A1 powered APU with a hydrogen propulsion system for the A or a hydrogen system for the APU. So you're yeah you're looking at reducing CO2 emissions, not nitrogen oxide emissions, and the noise levels. Because again, yeah, you know, a standard APU is as a noisy bit of kit. Anyone who's been around an aeroplane on the pan will know that that real whine so, you get from an APU. So that's a really, I mean, uh, that's a really clever idea, isn't it? For because you, you think about emissions around airports, you yeah. think about how how many air, you know you go to a, to a major airport like like Heathrow. 
you know, you go along there at the gate. Airlines have got their APU. Airlines have got their APUs on, running, whining, yep. polluting the the, the 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 air around airports. That's yep. going to be really good for for, for 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 local air quality around airports, isn't exactly. it? Exactly, and you know, every little counts. Every yeah. small every small thing, you know, a yeah. percentage here or a point of a percent there. But it's interesting that I mean, just setting aside for one second all that ground running, yeah, you know, Airbus's up next um, teams suggest that an APU is generally running an aeroplane for about an hour. Um, they can do that with just 10 kilos of gaseous hydrogen for that, that hour that you need with an APU. So um, that's uh, a project which is up and running and they're hoping to get that aeroplane into the air in the next couple of years. And it'd be interesting to see again just how, I mean, we know these projects are slow burners. I was at an Airbus press, press conference probably about 12 years ago where they were talking about electrifying aircraft wheels so that you wouldn't start burning fuel until you got to the end of the runway, you'd taxi on electric power. These things come, but they come eventually. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how quickly they can get this um, this high power A330 into service. But of course, I guess the the need and the demand from the public is different now than it was 12 years ago. So hopefully it will be a bit quicker. Yeah, right. Uh, and back to you, Charlotte. So we, we've seen one of the things that struck me around uh, around the air show is uh, props are everywhere. Propellers are back in fashion. Aren't they just? Um, <coughs> props away. So uh, you, you've... you've Something caught you uh, uh, your, your eye with lots of propellers? Yes, it did, Tim. This is the EcoPulse dem- Distributed Hybrid Electric Propulsion Aircraft Demonstrator, try saying that <laughs> after five days at the show. It's a, it's a TBM, isn't it? Modified TBM? It's a TBM 90 turbo, 900, sorry, turboprop. It's jointly developed in partnership with DARE and Safran, and uh, Airbus are getting involved with it as well with the idea of using it as a technology demonstrator that they can then scale up to potentially commercial aircraft at, at the end of the game. So they've called it a developmental enabler for concepts and in additional to the standard airframe we've got six wing mounted 445 kilowatt 800 volt Safran engines. Now it hasn't flown with this configuration yet. They are hoping to fly the real aeroplane by the end of 2027 using the additional propulsion system and uh, it's been described as the time to bridge the gap between legacy systems and the introduction of the electrical world so we start small on a platform like this test technology that can then be scaled up it's interesting that they've gone for modifying an existing design whereas beyond aero that i mentioned at the start yeah. of the podcast i asked them that they've got this hydrogen propulsion system why didn't they just put it in an existing bisjet and they quite rightly said that you know, in order to maximise the uh, the efficiency and, and get as much battery tech and, and system in, you really need to, a bespoke aeroplane. And of course, you, you're in a situation where, I mean, what the most recent business jets we've got, I mean, Embraer Phenom maybe, I mean, they're still 20, 20 plus year old designs. So by bringing in a, a completely new type, you can include the latest aerodynamic improvements and things like that. But that I, I too was drawn to that eco uh, pulse, Charlotte. It was a really interesting aeroplane, um, mm. and, and and quite striking looking as well, with those engines out on the wing yeah. as well as the single turboprop on the nose. Yeah, I mean, distributed proportion is being worked on in, in so sort of, you know NASA X fifty seven Leonardo in their in their sort of um, hybrid electric regional airliner. So uh, yeah, so back on 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 to um, other things with lots of. Uh, uh, props, sorry, rotors is uh, helicopters, and we have so we have some big big news here, or, or 
Uh, a little bit of a bit of, bit of, bit of bit big news here on the helicopter side of things, military helicopters in um, uh, talking to the CEO of uh, Sikorsky, uh, celebrating its 100 years this, this year, anniversary this year, Paul Lemo. And uh, he was briefing reporters uh, and, uh, and uh, revealed that um, a final assembly line for Blackhawks uh, in the UK could be up for grabs. That's really, that's, yeah. So, so this is new medium helicopter we're talking about. This, this is for the new medium helicopter. So that's replacing uh, Puma and a couple of other types in, in UK service. Uh, it's going to be sort of bid out, about, worth about 1.5 um, uh, billion pounds uh, for about 44 helicopters um, and really hotly contested, as you might imagine. So previously... Um, at least last year at Farnborough, uh, uh, Lockheed Sikorsky, that they were they were sort of saying, well, we could do um, uh, you know mission mission systems. This was sort of saying, well, we haven't, we haven't decided yet. We could do we could probably do mission system completion. Uh, you know, UK specific kit there because they've already got a European final assembly line in Poland mm, uh, yes. for the S seventy. You know, S seventy M. So, so he said that at, uh, he said you know. Um, well, final assembly line, very robust industrial, could be part of a very robust industrial package. But also, depending on the type the UK picked, it could be exported, which is, it's part of, a, you know, obviously increasing the, the value there, the idea of British built Black, uh, Black Hawks being, uh, you know, exported to, to international customers. That's obviously making the, 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 whatever their bid will be, more attractive. Uh, now, for anyone with long memories, um, you might know who, where I'm going with this, is um, a, a Blackhawk, the uh, the Westland affair back in the 80s led to the downfall of a cabinet minister, uh, Michael Hessenheim at the time, and uh, so there is a lot of baggage um, that comes with this for governments it's, thinking about it's building... Gonna great, it's going to be a brave decision, isn't it, that one? So... Um, and the, the the bid is the, the the requirements are yet to be um, yet to be revealed, and they're coming in in, in September. So a uh, lot of uh, rumours swirling around about, about this, uh, you know, between you know between uh, sort of people, you know, is it going to be extended? Uh, you know, could could, could Puma just could they just cancel it? Yeah. Um, is there enough life in the Puma? Could it be? Given sole source, uh, so, you know that's one thing I've heard from some some somebody saying that we're just given sole source, um, or is it going to be a competition? So obviously the other other people in there, Leonardo is offering their AW one four nine Yeovil, Airbus helicopters H one seven five M that will yeah. be built in Broughton, yeah. uh, where, where you, they used to do the the the, the wings, and. Um, it's it's really sort of it's really sort of a kind of it's also an in, kind of an interim buy as well. So yeah. the, the question is, um, you know, how much do you want to sort of spend on it, and what what's the balance between a you know the military requirements? This is a battle. This is a battle taxi. It's, yeah. a, it's a utility helicopter. <clears throat> you're not you're not um, really you're not really pushing the, the the boat out in terms of technology. You just want something that's going to dump troops troops down, okay, and uh, and get them out of there. Um, so, but what is what what is the government going to be looking for on the sort of social prosperity yeah. leveling up side of the scale? Uh, you, you know, Leonardo, Yeovil, Home of Helicopters, they're probably the the the, the, the favourite. Mm-hmm. They've got you know Southwest. They can point to the jobs that they'll they'll 
create, they'll retain. Airbus helicopters are saying, well, hang on, there's another, you know, we're the underdog, but, uh, you know, you could uh, keep these people there potentially who are working on A380 wings, reskill them perhaps, put them onto to helicopters. Yeah. And then there is uh, Wildcard uh, yeah. Sikorsky, who are probably looking at a map now of the UK, looking yeah. about where's the most deprived area, area, and maybe where might there be rotorcraft engineers. <laughs> this is reminding me very much of Takano. Yes, you know, yes, then, yeah. Going out to Belfast. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, ah, really interesting. So, um, anyway, we're, we're, we're running on with time here. So, <laughs> gosh, um, let's go back to, let's, let's, go, let's take a, a higher level look on, on some of the, the, the themes. We've, we've touched on them already. C- civil side of the things as well. I think we can all agree that uh, Indian, uh, Indian air tra- civil air traffic, Indian uh, airlines have saved the day. Good Lord, yeah. Just, just a little bit. <laughs> I mean, there's been a, a plethora of orders, and particularly with Airbus. So yeah, biggest, biggest single ever order uh, in civil aviation history for, for a single, single type. type yeah. That was Indigo, uh, low cost Indian, Indian carrier, five hundred A320. Um, you know, uh, family airliners for Airbus on on, on uh, late in the day on the Monday. Wow, uh, absolutely packed air, uh, sort of like uh, press conference. And uh, CEO, CEOs there, you know, sort of, um, and, and they are they are just riding this. In, India is already back to it's already kind of outpaced pre-COVID levels mm-hmm. of air travel, uh, and they're on they're on course as well to outstrip um, China in terms of population. Um, and so, so there's a huge potential there for, for air travel in the future. Yes, and then the, 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 then also we've seen the big Air, air India order confirmed for both um, Airbus and Boeing. Yeah. Uh, so that's that, that was another, another big um, sort of order that, that helped uh, to boost the show. And, um, and what's interesting there is it seemed to be it seems to, to, to have shifted is that uh, say a you know maybe four years ago at the last 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 um, uh, last show people were talking about China China yeah, China yeah. China that's now shifted uh, there's obviously been geopolitical uh, things going on there uh, saber rattling with, with, with the US etc etc mm-hmm. pandemic um, and China's China's kind of growth coming on stock, mm. you know. Um, so so now India is, is, is I think it's India has has gone and taken prime prime role there. As as if you are in the civil aviation business, um, you that's where you want to be focused. And it was also smaller stuff as well, wasn't it? Uh, twi- uh, twin otters were yeah. twin otters. Yeah, twin otters going out there. But the Indian government's got a program at the moment for opening up access to some of the more remote and deprived areas. So De Havilland Aircraft. It's kind of 49 at the show, 49 yeah. Twin Otters. Yeah, they, they've launched a new version of the Twin Otter, the Twatter. Yeah, there's life in the old dog yet. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, a company that was called Viking for a while, they've, they've now uh, rebranded to Havilland Canada. Uh, they've got their multi-mission um, Twin Otter at the show, but also announced the uh, the new Twin Otter Classic, as they called it. And as Charlotte said, 49 orders for a, a type which, at the last Paris Air Show, was pretty much extinct. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's interesting, been, of course, ideal for these areas in, in India where there are unprepared airstrips you know, and you, you've got a relatively short takeoff and landing aeroplane there that can carry a decent amount of people. And you, you, you're almost got that hub and spoke network again, haven't you, with, with getting people from the outlying areas to the cities that they can then connect on their Indigo A320s and then onwards and 
outwards from that. So yeah, I care. And I know on a personal level, a lot of my um, friends that are uh, um, training for the airlines are looking at jobs out in India at the moment because there's a massive recruitment for, for, for crew as well as you know, to fly these aircraft. So it's a big, big growth area. Yeah, fantastic. Um, and on the military side of things, obviously one of, uh, uh, we're, we're, we're still here with a major uh, peer-on-peer conflict uh, unfortunately going on in Eastern Europe uh, with uh, Russia in, uh, fighting Ukraine. Um, for obvious reasons, the Russians weren't here at the show, uh, but the the presence and the the implications of this this, this war, ongoing war, meant that uh, you know military defence uh, um, uh, you know equipment capabilities front and centre. A lot of uh, people talking about hypersonics, hypersonics, and how to defend from hypersonics. Uh, so we had Israeli companies, we had MBDAs doing concept study on, on counter hypersonics. That's a real wake-up call. Um, the the performance of obviously uh, Patriot Pack Free against against Russian what well, Russia has been lobbying uh, in, in in Ukraine's direction uh, has been quite um, uh, positive. But that's the 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 Kinzel missile has been used is really just a uh, a, a converted um, land surface to surface ballistic missile. Uh, so it goes fast, but it's a pretty the new generation of stuff that that, that is on the drawing board. Hypersonic glide vehicles, hypersonic cruise vehicles are far more dangerous, far more um, <coughs> difficult to counter. And I think people are people are waking up about that. Is how the hell do you get you do 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 intercept these things? Absolutely. I, I was at an MBDA press conference. I think it was Tuesday morning, and there's um, the the current defences are um, some are good to a certain altitude, some are good above a certain altitude. But there is a layer at the moment which which is difficult to intercept. So MBDA are doing a lot of research into that sort of sort of forty thousand feet area, which is um, is a potential weakness at the moment. Um, I've spent a bit of time with MBDA this week. Um, I just want to talk about their um, expendable remote carriers. Oh, right. Loyal um, wingman. No. No. A loyal Disloyal wingman. No. <laughs> you take a loyal wingman home with you. These are effectively disposable items. So uh, as um, MBDA... Use it and lose it. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Use them and lose them. Uh, so this is something which can be deployed from a fighter or it can be deployed from a submarine or a ship or a, or a land base. Um, and it's um, sort of it's four meters long. It's four hundred kilos, and th- they refer to it having one hour's playtime um, once you, once you launch this thing. But I think the beauty is it, it does so many different things. You know, it could be for EW for jamming for SIGINT. It could be armed, and you you're working on a, a system here. You're, you're just adding combat mass all the time. So these are relatively cost effective. So again. You're not expecting to get it back like a loyal wingman, so you're not going to spend massive amounts of money on it. Uh, likewise, you're not going to put massive amounts of stealth technology into it because you know who needs to. But you, what you're doing is creating lots and lots of these, and the idea is that your enemy doesn't actually know what this thing's doing. So, do I need to shoot it down? You know, is it armed? Is it coming for me? And because it's it's manoeuvring, claiming you think of a traditional weapon, it's within a degree. Once it's launched, you know the direction that it's going to go. With these expendable carriers, they're saying it's yeah, it could launch, then it could turn ninety degrees, then it could go back the the way it came. So the enemy's going to be tracking this thing and not actually knowing what the ultimate target yeah. is going to be. So I think that's a really really exciting concept. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, there's, I mean, obviously uh, we're here at the the uh, you know sort of a, a French air show. It's obviously 
uh, FCAS the or SCAF, uh, yeah. their future fighter there was was uh, front and centre as, as you came in, being worked on by uh, um, uh, you know, France, uh, Germany, Spain. Belgium has now been admitted as an observer, so um, there was a little bit of talk um, before the show about uh, about this happening, and also about um, uh, you know Belgium that they're an F thirty five customer. Yeah. So um, you know, did, did they did they want to be in in this uh, in, in in this sort of like uh, program anyway? So so that's that's interesting. That point, uh, Eurofighter too. I mean, the new CEO. Uh, talking about 150 to 200 new orders there in the next two years, okay. uh, and again, it's it's it's, it's part of it has been being driven by you know events in Ukraine yeah. as to people are now thinking about high end high end uh, weapon systems, uh, recapitalizing dispersed operations. Um, and it's interesting. Another, another uh, thing there was uh, uh, Embraer had brought two uh, KC. Free uh, 90s, mm-hmm. their new their new tank transport to achieve full operational capability with the Brazilian Air Force uh, 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 earlier this year. First deliveries to Portu- Portugal. Yeah. And one of them was a Portuguese airframe. That they one of them was a Portuguese airframe. Air, 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 air air Hungary is getting them as well. Selected by the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, uh, you know this perfect tactic tactical uh, airlifter that is just right for uh, people who want to who. Um, you know, looking to replace Hercules. Do we know any, any air forces that have got rid of Hercules recently? Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a bit of a bit of a gap there, isn't there? Um, um, one of the other military stories that, that um, occurred to me, um, Tim, is I, I saw Elvis, the Israeli company, Elvis Systems, and um, their Hermes 900 UAV is now approved to fly in controlled airspace. And I know it's something that the RAF is working on with Protector at the moment. Um, they were at our, our FCAS conference at um, Hamilton Place fairly recently. Um, but the uh, the Elbit system has been approved with the Israeli Civil Aviation Authority, but on behalf of, of the Swiss. So the hope is that this this certification can now transfer across to EASA, FAA, etc. So we are now starting to see UAV craft that are capable of flying within controlled airspace. And that, again, very briefly links into somebody I saw yesterday, which is Flybird Aviation, who have got, who are creating a firefighting drone. So again, you know, you, you're fighting wildfires. That's probably going to be around cities at times, and so they've they've got again technology going in which will enable these to fly in controlled airspace. Yeah, um, and, and Watchkeeper Watchkeeper got its first export order. Of course, yes. Yeah. Watchkeeper yeah. X, Roman is money. Right. Okay, we're going to we're going to so space. Uh, I think going around the halls, you saw quite a lot on space. You went to talk about spacesuits. Uh, I, I did. Collins have been uh, in, unveiling the new next generation spacesuit. Uh, they're currently serving on the ISS with the previous model, but uh, this one is all new and improved. It's all Gucci. Uh, it's. I think Lady Gaga may well like one herself. It's, uh, <laughs> It's been designed to have 30 minutes extra usable time in it uh, due to the new technology in it. Uh, whole new fabrics designed to stop micrometeorites as well. So, so you got to you got to test drive a rover. Did you get to put on a flying spacesuit? Sadly, I did not. Although I think it's a, it just goes to show you that it's not just the place to go for GA orders or whether or not it's uh, commercial orders. We you know we can go on a shopping trip all the way up to and including our requirements to go to the moon. This time. I don't think our excess baggage is going to cope with that to get back on the Eurostar, is it? As long as obviously, as long as we don't pollute space and and make it uh, make it too harmful to uh, to uh, to human space flights. There's a bit of debris up there, isn't there? There it's is. Getting crowded, it's not getting just the very. So I went to a very interesting uh, ESA uh, press 
conference uh, yesterday on space debris. They're, they're doing a new charter for governments to um, uh, get their get your satellites. Basically, promise to get to deal with your satellites end of life because it's getting uh, very um, crowded up there. And and, and there's, there's a couple of things that's really stood out. Uh, one of the executives said he'd spoken to an unnamed astronaut who said that the 2030s could be the last era of human spaceflight because after that. It gets to, it, it, we could just get too dangerous. Wow, now that that, that, that that's yeah. shocking. Yeah, isn't it? Uh, and there was another uh, 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 statement there from uh, head of uh, head of space at Airbus Defence and Space, and he said that uh, um, every eight minutes, under two thousand kilometres in, in orbit, every eight minutes there's a red alert about a potential collision. Wow. He, he said he keeps me awake at night. You know that that's that's his business. That's a real eye opener. So this is a, a real key priority for for, for um, you know uh, governments to work together, industry, uh, everybody to get on the same page here, and 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 work this problem because otherwise it's gonna, it, it it is going to get too too polluted, um, and um, you know just at the just at the cusp when we're 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 exploiting space so much for for civil and for environmental purposes and for exploration we're looking to the moon looking forward on to mars and you, you won't be able to use it i mean what would be the irony of that um, yeah so speaking of space we did have a, a brief visit from a, a spaceman himself it was apollo 16 lunar module pilot brigadier charlie duke made an appearance at yeah the he was at the show uh so always good to have all, all these uh, uh sort of astronauts there uh as spot astronauts um so um moving on then what else other, other big themes i think we can we probably sort of cover i think we probably covered air, advanced air mobility mm -hmm. uh quite there uh, GA, uh, electric hydrogen, uh, I mean, you know, one of the things that struck me was, was across all levels, you know, from really small aircraft, you know, there's, there's, there's people there with hydrogen, uh, uh, you know, ideas, electric ideas, obviously, electric aircraft, uh, the Pipistrel, Velis was in the flying display, wasn't it? Yeah, we've got the Elixir there with the, the hydrogen yeah. cell. Uh, it seemed to be, it seemed to be across the whole range of, uh, you know, everything from, from, you know, really small stuff to, um, you know, somebody, Destinus, it's yeah. hydro, that's hydrogen powered. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, I think that the discussion as well about whether or not it's going to be electric or hydrogen as the preferred future propulsion system is really coming up into its own this year across all elements of the sector. Yeah. I mean, the conversation that P-Volt were discontinuing their programme a couple of weeks ago has obviously sort of rattled quite a lot of feathers in the yes. electric battery industry. Yeah. We've got proponents on both sides of this debate that are sort of vehemently sticking to we think we need to be going electric yeah. we need to be going hydrogen so I mean, it's, it's interesting a, to it's see. across it's across all levels but uh, caveated with that is um you know the big bulk of civil air transport that has the you know produces the most um uh, you know carbon emissions uh, carbon emissions uh, they use the most fuel air transport yeah. um, they can't be easily electrified yeah Hydrogen, obviously, Airbus have got plans. Uh, so SAF is really is really kind of the 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 the, the priority. Everyone's looking towards SAF as a, as a near term solution. It's drop in. Yeah. I mean, uh, you don't have to have, to, have, to, have to, to to worry too much about that. So one of the things I went to and which was really interesting was a a person from Boeing, the Cascade tool. You've seen this. 
really interesting. To, it's now open to the public, yeah. and you can play around with the uh, the parameters, future scenarios. Uh, you know, um, whether you think electric is going to come in, whether you think hydrogen is going to come in, where where it's going to come from. Uh, the the power comes from 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 in the the, the sort of supply chain. Yeah. So it's no good having a hydrogen powered airliner. If you're making it with dirty, dirty coal-powered power, uh, yeah, power stations, yeah, yeah you could actually be making more, making more emissions further down the chain. So, so you've got all these sliders that you can move on Cascade, haven't yeah. you? And then work out just what well, the emissions. I are mean, your... the so-called grey hydrogen isn't environmentally friendly, no. aspects, but at least it is a step in the right direction mm. towards proving technologies <coughs> that can later be adapted to green hydrogen. Mm. So in, in, interesting as well is that they've also added a, a SAFT. SAF production tracker mm-hmm. uh, to this tool that is really useful as well. It's because we, we you know, we we are bombarded with press releases so saying this is coming on stream. This airline's going to be trialing blended fuels. Yeah. Uh, this plant is being set up, uh, and now it's all in one place where you can just go. Oh, hang on! I, 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 how many? How many? Uh, how 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 far is a shortfall? How much where yeah. do we get need to get to? Really useful. I think the uh, phrase a drop in the ocean springs to mind. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. Rem- remain open to ideas that we could scale it up. Ultimately, are we going to be able to scale SAF production through biomass feedstocks enough? Probably not, but we will wait and see. So, so the other thing that was uh, caught my eye, a big theme, recruitment, careers, big, uh, and the search for talent. Yeah, yeah. Again, every company, whether it was Boeing, Airbus, ATR, Embraer, it was a big, big topic in all of the press conferences, this this need to recruit this need to infuse the next generation into the industry conversation i have a personal level with lots of people as well it's um you know we're moving in the right direction but we've still got a way to go there are so many vacancies out there at the moment for people that want to come in and yeah play their part in this this sustainability revolution you know we've we've said before but is, is there a 14, 15, 16 year old out there now who is the next Frank Whittle that's going to revolutionise air travel but the, yeah, in a green and sustainable way? Well, I mean, this is one of the topics of a, um, a, a presentation, a panel by uh, McKinsey of, of looking at sort of future trends and the, sort of, you know, the, the talent recruitment, um, some really interesting, uh, interesting stuff in there as well. But... Um, and that's across the board, isn't it? All the way up from very high level players into sort of the local innovative startups trying to sort of yeah. their own little pro- projects. Yeah. Which but, are... but there are there are challenges because it's now uh, you know demand for software engineers uh, is 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 outstripping demand for traditional sort of aeronautical engineers. You know, software, 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 software. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where we're and the the aerospace industry is competing with automotive. Yeah. Traditionally, but also now all these IT. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, startups, you know, app developers, Google, what yeah. have you, AI developers. Mm-hmm. Um, but the there was one of the interesting things there that, that there was a perception that the that the traditional aerospace and defence firms are actually slow, yeah, siloed, yeah, and and quite stuck in the mud, uh, and so. The you know we go around the air show we're 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 reporting on the industry we go around we see um, you know lots of lots of cool stuff um, but you know in, internally or people people who are kind of going for jobs if they go to some sort of startup and it's like flexible working hours yeah. and you've got kind of, kind of these all these nice little cool little perks and you you you, you yeah. don't have to worry about security clearances yeah uh, and you can maybe work from home yeah. 
Uh, it, it's all hurdles that yeah, this industry has yeah, to overcome. Yeah, yeah. So, so there was a really interesting message there about, that came came out about the management and the older generation of well, what, what do the how how do you empower younger uh, people? How, how do you how do you recruit them? How do you also retain them? Yeah. Don't lose them there. So, yeah. we've got that. Um, so, I just want to quickly talk about the air show. Tim. Yeah. Uh, oh, right, the Asia. <laughs> yeah, we, we've seen so much stuff flying this week from, yes. yeah, from Volocop to, to Embraer 390, and, uh, 390. So we've had military aircraft, airliners. I want to talk about mobility, but not air mobility, mobility. Because the star of the show for me was Paolo Pacovelli um, flying his captain. An amazing display of aerobatics. He made even more amazing when you realise that Paolo is wheelchair bound. Yeah. So, I mean, Charlotte, you're learning to fly on a mm-hmm. tail dragger at the moment on a Super Cup. You know how much you use your feet in a tail dragger. Um, so, flying a Cap 10 when you haven't got use of your legs is an incredible thing. So, this aircraft's been modified. So, it's got two sticks um, one, the conventional stick that you've got for ailerons and, and elevator. Um, the other one is a push pull for rudder, but also it's got the brakes on there as well. So, um, you know, and, and you, know, you, you see Paolo flying loops and rolls. Yeah, all well and good, but he's flip rolling this. He's doing slow rolls, which I mean, you know, it, it is quite a task in a, you know, in a in a conventional captain, let alone one that's modified. Many years ago, I got to fly a, a bulldog, which had been modified by the British Disabled Flying Association, with a similar system to this. Uh, so it's almost like a boat tiller for the uh, for the for the rudder. And once you you unlearn what you've been taught previously. It is quite a logical system, but I can't imagine flying aerobatics like, like Paolo. Paolo was in a skydiving accident, uh, but he's been an aviation person all his life. And he's now got a flying school in, in Italy called Ali Patuti, which is wings for all. Um, but what, what an inspirational character and such a nice guy as well. So uh, if anybody uh, sees Paolo out of out on the air show scene in Europe, make sure you pay attention because he's a really, really good act. Yeah. I mean, what what what, 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 what the disabled pilots really need is a simulator, isn't it? And, and it's something that the Aeronautical Society is working on with AeroAbility in the Falcon 2 initiative. Yeah. Yeah, with schools. Yeah. I can't wait to see what uh, what designs they're that's, going to come up with. That's going to be really yeah, interesting yeah. to follow, isn't it? Now, speaking of the Royal Aeronautical Society, Tim, I believe we had a special guest this week in... We did. So uh, we had, obviously, the president was, was uh, visiting. Yeah. Uh, she was out and, out and about. Uh, Chris Khan, youngest uh, president in, in the society. We think she's the youngest president. I'm pretty sure she, she is. Yeah. Um, and um, our, our second female president. So she was out and about. She was meeting uh, members, um, fellows, corporate partners, potential members, potential members yeah, of corporate yeah. partners. And she was also checking out the, the uh, what's what's new in uh, uh, urban air mobility, the future of flight. That is a day job uh, in, in in the in the UK government is the future of flight. So yeah. yeah, great great to have her here. We got to catch up with her as well and, yeah. and, and chat to her. So uh, fantastic to have the present around. So I think closing thoughts then on the show as a whole. I, I thought it was really positive. Uh, I don't know about you guys, um, and, and it was, there's a sense that it the there was a relief, smiles, laughter of being back after four years. I think last year in Farnborough, even in February, there was there was people thinking, is there going to be a third wave of COVID? Are we going to be? Yeah. Uh, so there was always this kind of, and it was a, uh, that meant that it pushed the planning backwards uh, a bit. People there were people who kind of weren't ready. 
and uh, there was all this not all of the world had, had opened up you know so yeah. so there was still there well yeah do we do we go and you know make a song and dance about it mm-hmm. um yeah well, just look at how many chinese companies were exhibiting at paris this week yeah you know, um, yeah, so yeah. From, from all different yeah all different yeah so comac yeah. were there aviate were there interesting with with, with with a lot of military aircraft on show including the j20 but um yeah i think it was really positive and and, and it really sort of covid now and the near collapse of of you know civil avi- uh, uh, civil aviation industry is, is now in the finally in the rearview mirror. Yeah, I mean just look at the look at the numbers. Look at the deals done this year. Error analysis um, thing orders and commitments. Farnborough eight hundred and seventy one this year coming up for fifteen hundred. So. Yeah. It's, uh, it's bouncing back in a big way, isn't it? How many of those are going to India, though? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I just want to close on a statistic. You know, I love a good statistic, Tim. Yeah. Um, my mobile phone has a, an app which tracks by the, the miles I've walked. So I know, Tim, you've walked a bit more than me. So I think, it, realistically, between the three of us, we've covered 120 miles around the site this last week. And we've produced 28,000 words. <laughs> that, my friend... Is two hundred and thirty word, two hundred and thirty three words per mile. That's not a bad, uh, not a bad output, is it? That's that's a, that's a good range, range to uh, range to words. Uh, uh, <laughs> Leftover drag, leftover words. Let's, let's, let's not mention the blister rate, but yeah. um, a new unit of measurement here. Yeah, I've yeah. Heard, I think... uh, the Sky Wales airship hangar that they're purporting to build is going to be the length of two Eiffel towers lying down. So some odd units of measurement being thrown around this week. Excellent. And there was also an EV toll that played. It had the parking. It could park in the space of a Fiat Cinquecento, didn't it? <laughs> so we've had some good stats this week. It's been a great week i've really enjoyed it yeah. um yeah it's, like you said tim it's nice to be back at, at shows paris is always impressive and um, this year it certainly hasn't disappointed definitely all right so, any any final, final thoughts for you it's been a pleasure to be here and reporting with the team it was my first paris uh, i've enjoyed it immensely there was far too much far too much to see and do but i had a good go at what, what we did manage to get around to and yeah great to see the industry back and great to be here and be part of it Great right. stuff. All right. Well, thanks for all for, for that. Uh, you can catch us every month on the NOTAM podcast, uh, talking about aviation news, talking about what's happening in the, in the Aerospace magazine. And uh, we will see you uh, next time in Farnborough 2024, if not before, in Dubai. Thanks all. all. Right. See you. Cheers, guys. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Thank Bye. you.